0: This message was presented at the GYC Conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.
1: Okay, let's start with a word of prayer, huh? Um, you can stay seated. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we are just grateful once again to spend some time especially looking at the purpose of business and... Lord, please help us to, to see the solemn calling that we have when we're thinking about businesses, we're thinking about ideas, we're thinking about doing something meaningful. Lord, help us to, to really see that this is uh, a divine calling and not just our idea. And, um, yeah, help us, counsel us this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay. Let's uh, run through this not too quickly, so we get it, but uh, quicker than quicker than uh, than uh, what I usually do, just because we're gonna hear some of your t- pitches after this presentation. So, anybody that wants to pitch, you know, get your thirty seconds ready, and uh, we're gonna line people up here and have ha- here's a bunch of ideas. Um, and uh, in front of investors, the investors are tough people. They're gonna kill the idea. They're gonna, they're gonna, what we call in 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 uh, pitch events, we call it. We're gonna grill you, okay? But since we're here in an Avenist uh, context, you know, we're not gonna grill beef. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tofu. All right. So it's not sharks. It's uh, dolphins. All right. Good. Let's start. The spiritual journey. Spiritual journey. This is the topic of today is is how to help people on their spiritual journey. And especially in the context of business. Actually, you can apply this methodology that I'm going to present to you anywhere. Even in your personal lives, in your communities and so forth. But it was specifically developed for a business context. How to reach the customer with um, with the gospel, or how to help them, one step in their way in their spiritual journey in their spiritual experience. So the bottom line for this, the foundation, as I've mentioned this morning already, is religion and business are not two separate things. They are one. one okay, they're one and the same thing. And here is the the other beautiful quote that I wanted to share with you, where Ellen White says it so beautifully. She says, you have felt that business is business and religion is religion. But I tell you that these cannot be divorced. She's talking like as if they're a marriage. They're a couple, right? This is business. Probably, I don't know, the woman and and religion, the man, right? (laughs) Or the other way around. However you like. But this is really a couple, all right? This is the bottom line. And we have been responsible for this divorce. And she says, and th- I love this. She, she, quotes, she quotes the marriage ceremony, you know, words. She says, you are not to put asunder that which God has joined. And what has God joined? Business and religion. It's just so beautiful. I can't believe she actually writes this, you know. But she, she really celebrates it, you know. Yes. So I think we should celebrate it too. Amen. So um, the 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 bottom line for understanding the spiritual journey of people is the realization that everyone is on a spiritual journey, whether they know it or not, whether they're Christian or not, whether they're officially Buddhist, or Hindu, or atheist, they're all on a spiritual journey. The quality of that journey depends on what? Image of God. It depends on the image of God. It depends what you think God looks like. So the reason why Europe, I'm from Europe, right? To me, the main Probably the main reason why Europe has become a post-Christian Europe is because Christianity made God look so bad that nobody wanted to follow Him. Okay, mm-hmm. it's very simple. Yep. So, so the the image of God really depends uh, d- develops the quality of your relationship, and you can think about it in your personal relationship with God. As to what God looks like in your experience, if you think, you know, putting putting just putting a face on on God, I took a picture of, uh, of uh, of a dog, just just to have to, to to illustrate this, you know, if if God looked like this, would you want to fall in love with this? Well, maybe, uh, maybe some of you, right? <laughs> No, you know, like if your image of God is is this judgmental God looking down on you like with a face like this. And if you do anything wrong, I'm going to hit your, you know. Then, of course, I'm not going to want to be around that kind of a person very long, right? So if you're, if your image of God is more like this, then, you know, I want to play with this little guy, right? I want to play with this dog. I want to be around this dog. So, so... Just an illustration, okay? So that whatever we have, the image of God that we have and that people have. And everybody has an image of God in their minds. That's why they're atheist, okay? They're, they're anti-God because the God that they know or that they think they know, they don't like, right? So, so we are there in business to help people understand who God really is. And that God really is. Is love. Mm-hmm. And he's not just some, some weird person out there. Does that make sense? That's right. So in business, bringing it down now to the business. In business, you know, in general, when we work in, in, in a secular context, the point of a business is to find product market fit. Okay? It's, it's always trying to develop what you have. And connecting it with a need in society. And, and if you find that connection, then you have a business. But I tell you that in Adventist context, then you do not have a business. You might have a killing machine. Right? Yep. Yeah. So there's another, there's a third, a, a third aspect that we need to take care about when we're thinking about Adventist or biblical business models. Not just product market fit, but it's actually what business can reveal the heart of God. The heart of God. What can reveal the the love and care and character of God. So God cares about people and because God cares about people, He wants us to start a whole array of companies To help show the world that God cares about people, right? Why do we have a bunch of health centers? Why did Ellen White spend hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of pages, just writing about sanitarian work? Have you guys read about sanitarian work? Very few people. (laughs) Guys, shame on you guys. No, never mind. But... Just just put in the word sanitarium. Man, there's like thousands of quotes, okay? Just on sanitarium. This is one business model. And she says, this is a very important business model. We need to start these health centers all over. And she says, in the time of the end, we will focus even more on health centers. Okay? No, really. Why? Because God cares about the health of these people. And... Said, look, look, if somebody has cancer, somebody's dying of cancer, somebody has, or somebody has diabetes, or somebody has whatever they have, right? And they're suffering. You know this hurts God. It hurts God if we're suffering. So God wants to alleviate that suffering. This is why He says, hey, let's start sanitariums all over the world. To alleviate the suffering. To show to the world that God actually really cares. This is why we do restaurants. And not any type of restaurants. We're not doing McDonald's. Nope. What are we doing? Oh, what does Elway say? Well, it's a vegetarian restaurant. Yes, why vegetarian? Well, it's part of... Oh. Here. It's part of the product market fit that fits with the third paradigm, right? It fits with the third element. It's part of what God, how God wants to help show the world that he cares for people. This is why it's important. So so all of our business models, even not so obvious ones, like uh, we've been talking about Hive Camp, right? Why does God want Hive Camp? Yeah, it's to support the people that are doing God's work to do it professionally, right? To do it well. Okay. So this is, an, this is a desire that God has in his heart, right? So why do we do uh, yeah, business consulting? Actually, he, just, he also wants us just to be successful, right? He wants us to have an impact on society. Okay, so there's many, many reasons. If you're starting a clinic or if you're starting even a, an accounting firm, does God want you to have your money in order? Yes. Man, order is the first law of heaven, right? We need accountants, amen? amen. So it, this is a need, actually. It's, it's revealing the heart of God. Here, the Bible says, 1 Peter 2, 9. So beautiful. This is, uh, this is actually the purpose, right? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may do what? Declare the goodness of him. Declare the goodness of him, the character of God. This is what we're supposed to do. To declare the goodness of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. So, the purpose of business, besides making profit, The deeper purpose is actually to reveal the character of God to the world. This is actually the purpose of any, at least, Adventist or Christian business. And, of course, having a social impact. So, these are the things that God cares about. So, let me say, as a basis for how we do evangelism, we're going to get more into it now. Um, This book here, Missional Entrepreneur it has a chapter a very interesting chapter called converters versus blessers and it's this is this is crucial because there's many ideas on how we do how we should do business evangelism and some people some people you know uh when when people come into the restaurant you know the first thing they do is what hey welcome to the restaurant here's a great controversy so <laughs> Um, do you think they're gonna come back? Nope. So it's very easy for you to actually kill your business if you do evangelism in an untactful way. All right. So I'm not against distributing great controversies. Okay, don't get me wrong. But but doing it in the right time with to the right people is very is key. So so there's these guys brought out some studies showing that. The missionaries that were out to convert people ended up being like... I don't remember. It was like 10 times less successful in actually bringing people to God than the people that were not there to convert people, but were there to bless the people around them. Okay? Amen. This, guys, to me, uh, you know, I've been a missionary... I worked as a missionary for 10 years and I realized this, unfortunately, much too late in my missionary career, if you can call it that. The, the, the bottom line is we tend to want to, you know, baptize people, don't, not realizing that actually what we're doing is we are, we, are, we are showing them that we have our own interest and it turns people off. And what they realize is that when people go and do, and do evangelism wanting to bless the people, then they actually feel genuinely attracted to these people. Because they feel the unselfish spirit behind it. Because they don't have ulterior motives in that sense. Does that make sense? So they end up wanting to know what you believe. Because you are so nice. You know, Ella White says we, are, we should be the happiest people on this planet. That's okay? Right. And she says we, we should be the kindest people on this planet. She says we would have a hundred times more baptisms if we were just kind. Guys. Preach. That is what I call a missionary strategy, you know? So let's just be actually out to bless the people and we will get hundred times benefit in in souls one to the kingdom
2: to give a practical example of this when i was in dubai we were working um at orphanages for special needs children and one of the gentlemen when he wanted to know who was one of the managers if we were christian or not and of course people are hesitant right because they don't know why he's asking and so i talked to him and i told him listen we're Christian, you know, we're Seventh-day Adventists, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, okay, well, I have um, some questions for you. And so he started asking, so if, if they don't come visit your church, will your, will your volunteers come back to volunteer tomorrow? I said, yes, they'll be here. So what if they don't visit your church at all? Your entire, I think we're in Dubai, four or five months at the time. If they don't come the entire time, will your volunteers still come? Yeah, they'll still come every day. Really? I said, yes, absolutely. I'll make sure they're there. <laughs> so he then told me, he said, the reason why I'm asking you is he used to run an orphanage. He was working with an orphanage run by Baptists in Africa, a specific country in Africa. And he said, they opened up the orphanage, they had a K through 12 school, and it was packed. I mean it was filled with kids and families. And he said, one day after about a year, meals, clothing, education, everything, they said, we're going to be having chapel, and we're expecting everybody to come to chapel, and so the person on the ground who helped them organize it, who was a local, said, you know, this could create some tension, you know, hear it in our culture, because you provide for them, they're going to feel obligated to go to the services, so maybe you can just, it's available, and if people want to walk in, they can can walk in. They said, no, they have to show up, so they made this announcement, And all the people who were not willing to go to the services was almost 80% of the orphanage. They were not interested. He said, Sebastian, the next day I woke up, they shut down the orphanage. Packed up their stuff, the school, the food, the clothing, everything, and left. He said, it's so hard to share the gospel in that place because basically they were saying... If you're not willing to come to a Baptist service, we're not going to serve you. And as a result, that does more damage to the character of God than it does
1: to help him. And
2: this is very, very important.
1: God heals 10 lepers, you know. Yes. One might come back, but he held all of them. Why? Because he wanted to heal the person. He actually cares for the person whether they respond to it or not, afterwards in following him, that's up to them, you know? The invitation is always there. But we need to respect the people and and help them have that opportunity, but not forcing them or not, especially not, um, yeah, giving them this feeling of, this is our intention, right? So, um, the bottom, the base the, the, the base philosophy for the methodology is actually Christ's method. Who knows Christ's method alone, quote? Right. Okay, good. Okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I do want to make a couple of points here. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one as one who desired their good. Not as if he desired their good. Okay? <laughs> so we do Bible work very often... As if we desire their good, you know. But we really we, desire baptisms. Exactly. No, really, you know. Often we go out and we, and we do questionnaires uh, about what your health issues, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And at the bottom is the hook. The bottom says, you know, would you like to study the Bible? And if they say yes, then we respond. If they say, yeah, I have diabetes, I need to help, you know, did you do a program for them? Okay. Anyway, I, I experienced this. I experienced this. It's the truth. Okay, so uh, this is really important. The the Christ method is is actually God desired people's good. This is why we do business. Okay, it's because we desire people's good. Yep. He showed his sympathy for them, and ministered to their needs. And ministering to people's needs, this is this is the business side of the point. Right? Is Actually supplying a need of people. This is what a business does, right? Yes. If you have customers. If you don't have any customers, then you're not supplying a need. right? But if you have a real need, then you, you, have, you have a business and you're ministering to these people's needs. And through that, and this is the cool thing here. It says, and he won their confidence with that, with the business, with ministering to people's needs, right? Healing people. Ellen White says he spent way more time healing people than preaching, right? Yes. So, so this, is, this is part of it. And the last and the most important word in this quote, <laughs> I'm going to just point it out right now. Guess which one it is? This little word right here. Then. Then. Then he bade him, follow me. We do evangelism often the opposite, Right? We go to the door and say, hey, would you like to study the Bible? And what do they say? No. Who are you? Right? Who are you? <laughs> right? who, who are you? They, how, they, we haven't gained the trust yet. Right? We haven't gained the confidence yet. We haven't ministered to them yet. So how are they going to respond positively if we, don't, if we don't follow Christ's method? So this is really important. It takes time to win the confidence of people. And once we win them, then it's very easy. Then they want to know more, hey, what makes you tick the way you tick? You know, they want to know this if you conduct your business in a special way. And this is going to be the rest of the presentation. And I was just going to add there, winning their confidence
2: came from the fact that Christ's method was consistent. So this is why people would bring other people to Jesus. Well, I know that he healed this person or maybe he even healed that individual. We don't know. But what we do know is if you came to Jesus, he will in no wise do what? Cast you out. It was reliable. If you come to Jesus in faith, you will walk away healed. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 that when the Pharisees and all those people were there, the power of God was present to heal. But only the woman with the issue of blood was healed. Wasn't because God's power was not present. Just like a business it wasn't that there was no opportunity, right, for healthy food or for these things. People were not availing themselves. But the reality is when you were ready to avail yourself, it was consistent. And that
1: consistency won their confidence. So if you go to your apps on Attendify, you can, you can see this slide. I've, I've uploaded it there for you to be able to download and use as you please. Um, And fill it out for your business and for your business idea. There's another methodology. The the second page. It's also on there. You'll see it Um, This is it's a it's a prototype. Okay, we've been working on it. We're still iterating it Um, But the basic methodology is this we help understand first what are our beliefs? Clarify who, who am I? What are my spiritual beliefs? What, what is my experience with God? And what are the company's beliefs? So this is not the same thing. It's a little bit separate. <laughs> you know, Revelation 13, we believe the stuff. Okay? But it might not be a company's belief. Okay? Because if you're doing a corporate wellness business, uh then it it doesn't make sense to the customer for you to be talking about uh, <laughs> twin towers falling does that make sense it, That's right. it's not connected to it's not connected to the wellness part so but there are some beliefs that really are connected to your business to your to your philosophy if you're doing a health business or if you're doing an agriculture business or if you're doing whatever business even accounting or whatever whatever you're doing um, there are values and principles and even fundamental beliefs that are part of your core values of your company or beliefs of your company. Uh, creation, right? Um, many things. Health, of course. These are the, the obvious ones. But anyway, you, you build these things. You understand, okay, this is, this is, these are some of the beliefs that we have. And the next part is then understanding the customer or your, your target customer's ideology. Okay? The target customer's beliefs. If you're doing a vegan restaurant, well, who is your target customer? Who, who are the people that are going to come and eat at your restaurant? They're vegans. And what do they believe in general? The vast majority of them. Wiccans. Yeah, energy, new age, okay. Yeah, they believe in, some believe in health as well, right? Okay, so there's some, some things and they believe a whole bunch of other things. But you need to understand what they actually believe. What are the values that they have? They, they believe, for instance, in, in the caring of the earth right they really believe in sustainability they believe the planet is more important than the people right but we we understand <laughs> but 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 planet is important okay in the bible this is one of our fundamental beliefs right to take care of nature and to take care of god's creation it's very important so we can actually figure out okay here what the common beliefs are with them um, to be able to to, to connect with them. Okay. So this really, really helps. Then there's another. There's a few other things here. Referral, relationship, development, extraordinary customer experience. I'm going to talk about it. And awakening curiosity. So let's go through a couple of them. And then here, the last point here is the call to action. Actually, when and how are you going to invite them personally to become a disciple of Jesus? So this is the last part, the last step in the spiritual journey canvas. So the first point here is developing the common ground. After understanding the customer's ideology and your own and the company's, you understand, okay, here, if your customers, you know, you have common ground. What are common grounds with Muslims, right? I put here, no pork, no wine, modest dress, okay, this is very important actually for them, I, I I meet a number of Muslims in Germany where I'm li- currently living. Actually, I'm moving to the States, but I'm still there. Um, they, you know, they 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 the main criticism that they have towards Christians is these guys just wear bikinis in the in school, man. You know, like this is supposed to be a a, a Christian school, you know, and so forth. So they they have this this uh, strong thing. Okay, then they have. This is very important as well, they're very critical towards, towards uh, I call it medieval Christians, you know, t- towards, um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So, so, and same thing with the New Agers, right? They're very health oriented, they care for nature, they, they actually are very into spirituality, into meditation. Guys, are, are Adventists supposed to do meditation? Hey, Ellen White says we should be doing meditation. Now, I'm not talking about New Age meditation. You know, no emptying of the mind. But, but, but we're supposed to be filling our minds with some really good stuff. Um, and This is meditation, right? So we can actually connect with these people on some of these things. And, and uh, um, many of them are very critical of, of uh, traditional Christianity. And actually, we are too. When somebody asks me, in Europe especially, when somebody asks me, am I a Christian... The first thing I say is, well, depends on what you think a Christian is, right? Because I'm probably not a Christian the way you define it as a Christian, okay? So their mindset of what a Christian is, actually, if you talk to a Muslim, you know, they think a Christian is a Hollywood uh, rock and... And womenizer, and these are the Christians, you know, that drink and smoke. And, and, and this is a Christian, okay? So if you say, if you go to Dubai and you say, I'm a Christian, then they say, No, thank you. I don't want you in my backyard, you know? So this is really important, <laughs> right? Um, for some people, I'm gonna be a Christian, but for other people, I'd not say I'm a Christian, okay? I'd rather say I'm an Adventist because they don't know what an Adventist is.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. No, really, okay? So being aware of what what people's perception is of Christian or do you do you believe the Bible, you know? Sometimes, you know, you got to be very sensitive to some of these things. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. So the next one is the referral, okay? There's a referral. There's, there's these four main elements how to... How to do strategic evangelism with people. The referral is a very simple process that if you have a business model that is not very um, is more product oriented, less service oriented then you only have a very short span of time working with the customer, being with the customer. Like this friend of mine who creates who who makes um, vegan camembert cheese right? French cheese. And it's quite an incredible product actually and he the 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 way he can do evangelism is he doesn't have much contact with the customers right but he sells them the cheese and when he sells them the cheese then he can give them a discount or a referral for a lifestyle center that is that is in the local community right so then the people then even though I don't spend a lot of time actually, you know, evangelizing them, but I can send them to another center that has the same spiritual interests as, as, as my company has. Does that make sense? So you're helping them to make one step in the right direction and you let the next ministry take over the process, right? This has happened with many people. They end up going to a lifestyle center. And the lifestyle center is probably the... And this is why I think Ellen White talks about it so much. It's, it's one of the most in-depth experiences that you can have with a person. And because of that, on a health level, on a and this is health. When we're talking about health, it's an existential level. You know, these guys are dying or they have like serious problems. And, and if they get helped, you know, then they become very open. And so, so this, is, this is part of it. So you help them one step of the way, and then you lead them to the next. And so this is actually the, the, the vision that L O I had, which we call the Beehive, which Hive Camp or Hive International is, is called after this Beehive vision that L O I had, where she saw all of these missional entrepreneurial projects going on in San Francisco, and all of them helping each other to reach, to actually uh, um, help the, solve the, the problems in society, of poverty, of unemployment, of all of these kind of things. And at the same time, they had restaurants, they had health food stores, they had, they had sanitariums, they had all of these things together. And all of these together made such an impact on society that everybody that came into any store and they got connected to the other place and to the clinic and to the massage place and to everywhere, that in the end they say, man, these guys, these Adventists, you know, what do you guys believe? This is so awesome. You're helping solve all of our problems. You know, everybody's so nice. I can't believe it. What do you guys believe? And so then they did an evangelistic campaign at the end. And because they made friends with all of these people, they say, hey, let's go. If you want to know what I believe, come to this event, you know. She says they had to, they had to hire large halls for the evangelistic campaigns because there were so many people interested in what these guys believed because of the way they did their businesses. So this is really um, key here. That's the referral and then... Here we have the relationship development, and then the customer experience. So, what? Again, all right. So let's go to the to this, to the customer experience. Customer experience is based on the spirit. What what, what uh, in in the business world is called this the customer journey. Okay. So you you design the customer journey. Before they enter your business, the, the awareness, and then getting into your into your business, and then after your business, right? So, this is the customer journey, and the idea is actually to build your journey. Why is this? Here we go. Around these moments, which are the customer touch points. So, so every business has customer touch points before they come to the business and during the business uh, interaction and then afterwards. And all of these are, are, are these touch points that we are, des- are meant to design. Every business designs these touch points, actually. and But we have a special way of designing them. The Bible gives an idea of how we should design them. Actually, here. Um... What does the Bible say? John 13:35. What is, this is the marketing text. I love this text. The, the real branding text. You guys know what a brand is? What's a brand? Its your logo? It's not your logo. It's not your name. What's your brand? It's the feeling that people have about your business when they think about your business. So what is the brand when you think of ASI? Or when you think of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Okay, let's do it that way. (laughs) When you think of GYC, okay, what's the brand? So when you think of, of, of church, you know, what comes to many people's minds is no pork, this is the first thing that comes to people's minds. Uh, it's amazing. It, out in the world, right? Huh? Sabbath, okay. Yeah. So, we there's, there's brand. Everybody has a different brand. This is why it's very difficult to actually manage a brand. Because it's people's perception about you, right? It's, it's, you can't really ma- control it very well. So, it's, it's, a lot of time is spent on developing that. You know, Steve Jobs is a good example of that. So... So the the question is, how do you develop a brand for a a Christian company? So the Bible says, we will have a brand. So when people talk about you, when people talk about Christians, the Bible says there's one, one thing that will come to everyone's mind. It's one thing. This is your USP. This is your unique selling proposition. This is what makes you different from all the other religions in the world. What makes you different from all the other businesses in the world? What is it? Here. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That you keep the Sabbath. That you don't eat pork. That you provide a high quality service. That what? I said that you have really good schools. Exactly. We have great schools, great. Great health institutions, no no, the main identifying factor is that you love one another, agape that you love people more than anyone else in the world, this is the identifying factor that you must be a Christian business, you must be an Adventist business you know, you love people more than everybody else, so there's this book written about the power of moments, I love this book it, desi- it, it helps you to actually design these touch points as powerful moments that you help the customer to celebrate. So based on this... here, you, We need to understand what the expectations are of the customer for, for any experience that they have with us in the business. And then you design the experiences that actually need to clash with the principles, with the mindset, or with the worldview of the customers. Okay? This is really important. This is how we end up uh, opening doors to share what we believe. Right? So we need to design experience that clash with their principles. What are their principles? Their principles are normal reciprocity. You know? Reciprocity means I do you some good. And uh, somehow you scratch my back too, right? So when they feel that you do good and you're not expecting them to scratch your back, this makes them feel like, hmm, these are really nice people. It's a little bit different than what I'm used to. Okay? This is very important. Then that that your business is not primarily about profit, but about purpose. You You see that in how the business is conducted. When you close your business on Sabbath, okay, on the website of uh, my friend Jonathan there, right? When you close the business on Sabbath, even the website and sales, you know, this is suddenly, it shocks people, right? It's like, you close a restaurant on Sabbath, the most important day, selling day of the week? Yes. And they feel like, I don't know why they're doing this, but... This is quite amazing that these principles, you know, they really apply purpose over profit. So they, they feel that and it makes them inquire. Uh, transaction speed versus care. This is a good example for when you're going to a, 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 one, of our, one of our lifestyle centers, one of our, our health institutions. If you go to any doctor in any normal clinic, any normal hospital, how much time is he going to spend with you? maybe maybe 10 minutes right 5 10 minutes okay this is as much time as the the system allows them to have with you as a as a patient now if you go to a lifestyle center the ones that i know at least you know i don't know there might be some out there but in, in general people come with the expectation that the doctor doesn't have any time for you right and so they sit down and then they have this experience. I had this, uh, uh, I experienced this at Wildwood. You know, the, the patients sit down, and then the doctor is intensely interested to really find out what the problem really is. And sometimes it can go over a half an hour, 45 minutes. And the customer comes out of that experience with the doctor, and it's like, Wow. This guy just spent 45 minutes on my case, you know? And so it really clashes with their experience outside. So all of these things then create this spirit of inquiry. Ellen White says we should design our institutions to create, to generate a spirit of inquiry. Isn't that interesting? So they feel this unselfishness versus... Normal selfishness and humility. You know, doctors, when, they, when they, they, they're competent in what they do, they're asking questions and so forth. And then Ellen White says, then they should pray and, 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 and show to the customer that they are dependent on the wisdom from heaven. You know, this is humility. You know, it's like a doctor saying, I don't know everything. Hey, this is very important. So they experience these things, and suddenly they're like, and I've experienced this in so many lifestyle centers. After 10 days of that, they come out and say, I don't know what you guys believe, but I want to be part of this. Okay, Because they just feel there are different principles, and these principles are so attractive um, that they want to change their lifestyle to, to fit these principles. They want to learn about these things. Same thing works with, with uh, neighbors and so forth. So so this is actually the basic um, canvas for designing the customer journey, the spiritual just customer journey, okay? Here, the pre-service period. Here, what are the expectations that we create through our... our social media through our advertising through word of mouth through what people other people say and through the other services that they've experienced with other companies creates the expectations and then we design the experience that they have with us here and here there's like three slots the bottom the first slot is actually identifying the deeper need that people have for that touch point like when they come to the doctor what's the deeper need well, they need to feel understood. This is maybe the first need that they have when they go to the doctor. They're trying to explain what, they, what their problem is, right? The second, the second here, I have what are the expectations towards the service. So, what are they generally expecting? Okay, 10 minutes uh, consultation or whatever. And then you say, what are you going to do that clashes with their expectation in a positive way, okay? How are you going to make it better than what they are expecting? And then you go through the entire customer experience like this, and, um, and here towards the end, you know, you apply what you got from the other canvas, which is either referral or you have open doors. You have this, uh, these doors of opportunity. You know, sometimes you can put stuff on the walls, uh, very subtle, but but people can read it. People can see it. P- you have you have some books on the entrance and so forth. So 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 there's opportunity for them to ask questions. There's opportunity for them to grab a book if they want the book, right? Um, and you allow them to do that. And and this is then how you can get into personal conversations. You should in the especially in the after service period here in the, in the end part you know you should have follow up programs lifestyle programs especially right to do to do follow up to do coaching coaching is an awesome way to 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 get on a personal level talking to people on a personal level and being able to introduce them then to the god that you serve that has all these principles um, there and then you can lead them into the rest of of everything that, uh, that we believe. So this is basically the basic of the spiritual journey canvas, okay? So what they essentially experience is they have all of these love moments, right? Throughout the entire business experience that they just feel like you care way more for them than any other business that they've ever experienced. And so they will say, these people love love more than anyone else. John 13, 35. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's essentially here the extraordinary uh, customer experience here. And then the awakening of the curiosity is all of these other things that I just uh, mentioned, what you can do, okay? Referral, we did that. Relationship development, we already covered that in the previous Okay. Here are some books. Uh, I mentioned those in the other presentation. Here's some a couple of others that I already mentioned. Here. Evangelism 101. Huh? This is the best evangelism book that I actually have ever read amongst all the ones that talk directly about evangelism. He talks very much here about evangelism. That's it. Okay. Now we're going to Here's some pitches.
2: All right, so this is how we're going to do it. Um, I'm going to get uh, two chairs up here uh, for Jesse and myself. Uh, If you have an idea, what we're planning to do is... um, Yeah, Jesse, you can sit on that side. So if you have an idea, you want to pitch, basically, these are the rules. So when you pitch it, you get 30 seconds, and only 30 seconds. Okay, right now we have... 12 minutes left in this seminar. So if everyone keeps it to 30 30 seconds, you know, you can manage to get a good handful of them done. Now, here's the way it works. Jesse and I look, okay, you can get a thumbs up, get it to the side, maybe, right? And then obviously, like, nah, this needs a little bit more work. Now, if you get two maybes or two thumbs up or one maybe and one thumb up, that means we'll give you another thirty seconds to keep talking, okay? If it's a no, we're like, nah. We should talk after the session, right? Because if we comment in front of all these people, right, this this could not be good. So, and I, I'm a, I'm a very straight shooter when it comes to analyzing businesses. So I, I try to I try not to do that in front of people unless I'm judging at a pitch competition. So. If you have a business idea you want to present, we're happy to give you feedback on it, Um, but essentially we'll decide whether you get an extra 30 seconds or not. Um, From there, if you have the courage to do that, because entrepreneurship takes courage and persistence. So I had you guys work a little bit on your problem, but that is the very key thing I'm gonna tell you to have in your pitch, okay? Here's your two secrets, are you ready? For those of you who are actually going to get up, the rest of you are like, this is all pure entertainment for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for those of you who are going to brave the stage, right, you just never know what is going to happen. So that's the nature of entrepreneurship. But here's your two tips, right, making your pitch. Number one, don't tell me what your product does. Tell me what it does for your customer. That's the key, number one. Number two, you need to capture my attention and get me to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a thumbs up when I'm thinking I want to ask you something about this idea. But I'm going to give you a thumbs down if I'm thinking you're like, hey, um, we're going to start this machine that basically makes tables faster. I'm like, nah, I don't don't need to ask you any questions on that. Uh, I realize your competition is very steep. (laughs) So good luck. God bless you. Maybe <laughs> Maybe this will work, Maybe this won't. If you're telling me, Sebastian, we're going to incorporate basket weaving, you know, into Adventist education, I'm going to be like, nah, Adventist schools are not going to buy your product. <laughs> so good luck. So with that being said, again, focus on what it does for the customer. Capture the attention. You want to provoke me or Jesse to want to ask you a question. So for example, when I introduce my wellness business, I go places and people say, so what do you do? I say, well, I help people live longer. How do you do that? Well, one of the number one killers is diabetes and I show people how they can reverse it. Well, how, do you, how, do you, how exactly do they reverse diabetes? Well, type two is reversible. Well, how is that? Well, it's not really caused by sugar, it's caused by fat. Really, that's interesting. Before you know it, we're knee deep into my business. But I'm not going to start off and saying, "Oh yeah, we do uh, corporate wellness education that involves fitness, meals, and da 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 da." And the person's like, "Okay, that." I don't think people are going to do it. That's the first reaction. But by, by the time we get into it, then their question: Are people doing this? Now you're in a different place in your conversation. So that's how an elevator pitch comes from. You're riding the elevator in the Galt House. The person is a multi-millionaire. How are you going to convince them in 30 seconds? Okay. All right, so do we have any takers? Okay, so just go ahead and line up right here to my right. Let's give these people a hand, right? Okay, so just line up here. Now to my left. I am excited. Jesse, are you excited?
1: I'm excited. Okay. I'm ready to listen. All right.
2: Paula, can you be my timekeeper? Okay, thank you. Oh, yes.
1: So, who's first? You first? first? He's first. Okay. Timekeeper?
5: Yeah. All right,
2: she'll start when you start. Jesse, have have a seat.
5: Task Ratchet empowers ambitious procrastinators to take concrete actions toward their goals in a timely manner or else? Sorry.
2: No.
1: I feel the same. I'm a maybe. I'm going to just make a comment here. Um, I like the idea of, you know, explaining the problem, but you've got to say what you do because if you don't say... This is the product that I actually am working on. You know, it's all about the problem. But you, if you don't present the product, then we don't know what you're doing. And then it goes going to go like that. Okay? So explain exactly what you do. If you're in a restaurant, you can talk about vegan and lifestyle and this and that. But uh, I want to hear, are you going to do a restaurant or a lifestyle center? What are you going to do? Right?
2: Huh? Give him a second chance? All right. We'll bring him back. All right, 30 seconds again.
5: Task is a to-do list with teeth. When you create a task, you provide both a deadline and an amount of money that you'll lose if you don't complete it by the deadline. All right,
2: another 30 seconds. So I have a question. So this is a mobile app?
5: Yes, sir, Okay. and a web app. And a web app. Yes, sir.
1: How does it differentiate the other productivity stuff that's out there.
5: Um, Most apps rely on your motivation in the moment to do what you've said you're going to do. If you add a task to a traditional to-do list, you have to provide that motivation in the moment. But like, I can just say, I'm going to do something in a week. But then a week comes, I'm saying, no, I don't want to do it. I'm going to watch TV. So this allows you to pre-commit to what you've said you're going to do and it provides accountability to make sure that you actually follow through. And you lose money. And you lose money if you don't do it. Where does the
2: money
5: go? The money goes in the business.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs> my my only
2: comment would be if you told me the money went to a charity, right? Or you but told then, me But
5: then if it goes to the charity, you're going to feel good about not doing what you said you were going to do. But what that would tell
2: you is is that you're so this is where I would say something like a charity or even something that's like a, a uh, you know, you're helping like your wife get the things that she wants. So your wife is on the app and basically it says, well, I want to go to Monaco. So every time you don't do your stuff, it goes into my Monaco fund.
5: Yeah, it ruins the motivation. But OK.
2: All right. No, no, no. You can go ahead.
6: All right, I want to start a Christian clothing company called Rain. Everybody wears Nike, everybody wears Adidas, but Nike or Adidas doesn't pay you to wear their their clothing. I would like to start a Christian clothing line that doesn't have any Christian symbols. It just, just, if you're a Christian, you understand the symbols. I wish I could show the logo. But what I want to do is create referral marketing. So if I got paid $5 for every Nike shirt that I sold, I would wear Nike more confidently. I wear Nike because it's just because it's cool. But I want to start a Christian clothing company that Time. can okay.
2: Yeah. Maybe. Okay, you get another 30 seconds.
6: Okay, wonderful. So you buy a shirt, it's awesome, looks cool, looks great. Somebody else says, Man, that's a really cool shirt. Yeah, you should buy one. And you get paid five dollars for every shirt that you sell. We're actually already doing it with this one. Awesome hoodie. You buy this hoodie. And everybody that buys the hoodie through you, you get paid for it. Uh, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money, but, hey, why not make an extra $5, $10 to go to Chipotle? Everybody loves Chipotle. Everybody goes to Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? So five dollars for that. Honestly, I, wanna make, I want to produce money to, I'm a literature evangelist, so I want to be able to help people Time. make 100% of their canvassing money.
2: What you think? What you think? Yeah, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, Can we give him an, a round of, round of applause? <laughs> we start when you start.
7: Copy. Um, I wanna state a fact and then go into an issue. So in 1960, there were about 73 um, homes, statistically, that had, two, that had both parents. In 2014, it was 46. As we go down the list, we see that um, two parent homes and remarriage, Cohabitating parents, single parents, both increased. Um, within families today, believers and non-believers, there is a growing rift between parents, children, and even siblings. But God cares about families individually and collectively, and there is a deficiency of both spiritual time. and divine guidance. Time. That time, can I get? Oh, if you want to hear the rest,
1: man.
7: you're interested. You product, man, say the product. We want to create a toolbox or a first aid kit for families that will be able to allow you to deal with the dynamic issues in your home. Um, pause,
2: pause. Yeah, no. Nah. Nah, nah. We'll talk afterwards. Yes. All right. Mike, microphone.
7: Uh, <laughs> it was going in the toolbox. It was going in the first aid kit.
2: No problem. If I can't present, no one can. That's right. It's like, it's good. <laughs> All right, we start when you start. How you doing, my name is Dwayne.
8: It's real simple, I help people keep Sabbath day a bit more holy, we're always on our phone. This is an app that will prevent people who are not Sabbath related, your app, or a contact is trying to contact you, it will block them, and it will say right now it's my Sabbath hours, please contact me another time. And then, but what it does, it holds all the information so you can follow up with each time the, the notification came through. So let you know who tried to contact you via phone, text. Or especially if you're a business person, this is valuable to you because you don't want vendors trying to contact you during, during your
2: Sabbath. Output. Time. Yeah. OK, so I was just going to ask that question. What's your business model?
8: <laughs> my business model is I'm trying to gather up. I'm trying to launch. I have a few more quick. The app is halfway built. What I'm trying to launch in, um, in March. I, my business model is to go to the churches, Adventists, and actually uh, Jewish churches as well. Hebrew as well.
2: So Synagogues. Okay. How will you make money? What are they paying? Who's paying? Yeah.
8: Um, so it's going to be half. So it's going to be, just like usual apps, it's a app drill. It's going to advertise. But if you want to pay, it's 5 dollars You want to keep it permanently without advertisement.
2: That's a lifetime cost?
8: It is. I I'm think it's lifetime for now.
2: $6. Yeah. For lifetime use of the app. For, for
8: lifetime user app and free, free update, upgrades. So it helps you keep the Sabbath day all Can You know you're doing things that you're supposed to be doing on Sabbath when the sermon's going on. And it also turns off your phone during divine hour. So when you walk in, it knows that you're at church. It'll turn off, turn off the phone automatically. Yeah.
1: So I would, I would uh, challenge the business model, but I think Please. it's a great idea.
8: All right. No problem. Thank you.
1: Thumbs up. Thank you. Please.
7: Yeah. We start when you start. My name is Stefan. Um, What I want to do, I'm starting a business called Life Medical School, and this is to help doctors coach them to achieve their goals.
2: Okay, so what do you think? I'm a maybe. He's a no? Okay. This is the same
7: thing you were were telling me? Yes. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) wow.
9: Jesse okay. did
2: like your w- pitch. I w- All w- right, so I have, I have a question for okay. you. So you said coaching doctors mm-hmm. on what exactly?
7: I want to help doctors who are from non-European countries to help get into the, to become part of the German workforce and to solve their problem because they have a very difficult time to come into a place like uh, Germany where they don't have- they don't Why have do they ge- want
2: to come to Germany?
7: They want to do, do, do their residency and- um, Why
2: would they want to do it in Germany, not in the States? Or somewhere else.
7: Well, they could go to the skate states, mm-hmm. but uh, we, I would like to have no. They a lot of them are asking to be part to come to Germany because they want to live in Europe, they want to get a good education, and uh, I'm from Germany. Yeah, that's yeah, why. yeah. I got so, that. So, and I want to help them to to channel them and to coach them to help them from where they are by using an online tutorial, by online school, and by uh, by them uh, doing a monthly subscription um, to help them get there and mentor them in order to right, pass I gotta, the I test. I got to stop
2: you there. Yeah. So I think I'm a maybe on this one. I need to know more information, but I'm not convinced.
1: I think it can work because I understand. I know the business model um, very well. We've talked before. Uh, if 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 I only heard this pitch, then I would have said no, but I know I know what you're actually trying to say or trying to do. So this is why I would say yes, but um, yeah, okay. we could talk about how to pitch. Thanks.
2: We start when you start.
9: How many more pastors are going to commit suicide before we do something? before we help people win the battle in their mind God's way. I'm Mm. a college professor, and I have created the God Psychology, a directory for not only Christian counselors, but a life coach certification for Christian coaches so that we can open more healing businesses. What sets us apart is entrepreneurship so people can open into the $10.10 billion industry of personal development through coaching, speaking, and writing books so we can stop having young adults suffer in silence.
2: Maybe
1: I have a question. What is the difference between God's psychology, what you're doing, and all the other Christian psychology schools, yeah out there?
9: The difference between us is we actually dispose demonic arts in other ca- Christian and other counseling fields. I'm a therapist by trade, and I know a lot of other counselors are using things like um, meditation. They're using different rocks and crystals that are opening up us to the demonic realm. So not only are you going to get a Christian counselor, we train them so they can understand certain language, give you certain practical tools that you can use at home to protect and guard your heart so the enemy doesn't come attack you and you end up worse than you were before, like Matthew 12:43. 43.
2: So um, what's your... What's your business model? How do you how do you make money?
9: This is a dual-sided business model so all Christian counselors get listed on our directory. Right now it's 1995. We've already trained 10 and certified 10 coaches. You can also get this life coach certification program which is $5,000 right now. And then we 5K. also k 5k to get your certification the average life coach certification is eight thousand dollars okay and also we also have it where we do corporate trainings where we go into churches and we train your prayer warriors and anyone on mental wellness it's great to pray for people but you have to give them practical tools as so
2: well. um how does the company so the company makes money off of the certifications And then the 1995 for the counselors to be on the platform.
9: Yeah. So all all the things I mentioned are multiple streams of income. And then every coach that gets certified, we then send them out to different universities. So we do corporate trainings as well. So we teach mental wellness as well. So
2: you've certified coaches already? Yes. You said 10?
9: Yes. Paid $5,000? Yes.
2: Okay. We'll talk. Thank you. We start when you start.
3: Sure. All right, in a world where everyone is crying about climate change, talk about stewardship, I'm going to create a product, a biowaste digester, small one that will turn your kitchen waste into cooking gas.
2: Okay, I want to hear more.
3: All right, so this is a small biogas digester that you put in your waste from your kitchen Maybe bana- banana peels, something like rice, leftovers, and then um, the digester digests it and produces methane. Methane comes out of the digester, goes into a bag that collects it, and there's a cable or a pipe that goes to the house, and there's a small bag as stove that you can use to cook.
2: You patented this? You say what? Did you patent this technology, or are you borrowing technology from someone else?
3: So, we are improving the technology because uh, way back they used to dig digesters into the ground. It was a really complicated um, process, process yeah. Yes, and then you have to like, have uh, more space and more equipment to do it. So, we're making it portable. You don't have to dig. You just get a portable bi- digester, then you can just
1: make it you, happen. Do you have any traction? Sales. Have you any sales? You sold anything?
3: Oh, n- not yet. We are building, building the prototype. Okay. How much
1: is it cost? How do you know that you're going to make enough energy to cook a meal?
3: So we've already proven it. It produces gas that will enable you to cook for three hours.
2: How, do you, how have you proven it if you haven't built it?
3: We have a prototype. That means do that, you have, yes. Yes.
2: And where did you test
3: it? We tested ourselves uh-huh. at home, yeah.
1: What are you selling it for?
3: So for now, it's going for seven hundred dollars, but it will go down as we we are going to do the uh, the modeling and the, um, like work more on the on the sales and work more on the business. What side. are
2: you? Are you aware of the legal constraints with that in certain places based on methane usage yes. and how it has to be contained? Do you guys need any licenses or anything for that?
3: Yes. So the um, the customer is responsible for for the way they are going to use the methane so if we are going to deliver it like png that's when we are going to worry about the legal the legal side of methane so okay. it's pretty good yeah
2: good we'll talk all right.
10: all right this is an idea we just hatched up in 30 seconds or less so great quality time is an app where busy parents and families find quality local vetted Adventist babysitting services and many more services for families. The app would provide uh, an interface between babysitters and parents that uh, are, are specifically for the Adventist market, but could be opened up to the, the uh, public in general, affording an opportunity for Adventists to get into the homes with young children of the public community. Also, Time. a maybe. You got a question?
1: My only question is, uh, how will you compete with all the other uh, apps that are out there, yeah, that are doing for, the same thing?
10: For babysitting services? Yeah. yeah. So this would be another app like that, but the, um, the advantage to this one is it offers a lot more services in uh, uh, finding quality activities locally. Uh, that fam- this is a family app, not just a babysitting services app. So you can find local family activities. You can find uh, local family activities at home or outside. Also, a platform for parents to connect with each other. Uh, but, again, it's specifically targeting the Adventist community, but then opening it up broader. So I don't know that there's any other Adventist babysitting apps out there. So if you're an Adventist parent looking for a vetted Adventist to come into your home and connect. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank
2: you,
0: Thanks. So we're really facing a big problem today in the college culture. Um, We're losing a generation of less than 1% of today's young adults have a biblical worldview.
2: Bring it closer so you can speak up.
0: Okay, sure. So 70% of young adults leave the church in their college years. So um, what I would like to do is start a center where young people can cultivate a faith that's real in the context of community, um, becoming equipped to have a hands-on faith impacting their culture like modern-day Daniel's and Esther's. And the way we want to do that is have a health center where they can come to like a coffee shop, kind of cafe, and kind of get community, but at the same time be able to um, get life coaching and be able to discover what real, like, discipleship looks like. So.
2: Time. Okay. So a lot of things going on. Okay. I think you need to hone in on one thing. Sure. This was also my concern with the previous app, with the family app. Okay. I think when you're trying to solve too many different problems, many different it's hard problems. for me to wrap my mind on what's a minimum viable product for what you're doing. Sure, that's
4: Appreciate it. okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, how many of you guys are parents, and you have kids? All right. And how many of you guys are um are young young adults or just adults in general? Adults. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, then this app is for you, especially for young adults, since uh, two thirds of two thirds of young adults um leave the church. So what my app is um is is, a, is, a, is it's a, it's an app. And um, it's, it's going to be called um, Following Jesus. And basically what this app is, when you occur like a situation or you're going through something, like, especially as a young adult because you have a busy lifestyle and, you, and all that stress from school and work, um, what this app allows you to do is um, when you have a situation, um, you can type it in. And then, like, it, it will take you directly to our verse, Right? Time. Because...
2: Okay. We'll give you another 15 seconds.
4: So, um, when you type it in, um, uh, the, the phone, uh, the, uh, the, When you uh, type
2: into the app, you have a problem?
4: Yes, um, it searches for keywords, and those keywords leads you to a Bible verse or multiple Bible verses.
1: What, what artificial intelligence are you using as a basis?
4: Um, like... Yeah. Um. It just like searches for like words, like specific words, and then and then from those words.
1: Are you using those, Alexa or are you using uh, the, IBM's Watson or what are you? Do you have a basis it's just
4: or a, you gonna it's just, it's just an algorithm. Just an algorithm. Okay. okay. Just, yeah. Thank you. What do you think? Be, look, because if you have young kids, then um like, like your parent and, and you know that uh, all of the kids are leaving churches, right? Like, and um and you want them to have a way of like staying with Jesus
1: so my my comment to you is i think it's a it's a it's an important idea other people are working on it but they're working on it on a on a level where where they're incorporating a lot of artificial intelligence so so that so the 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 chatbot basically can answer you smart answers uh, with bible verses but incorporating more so you would have a very hard time um, succeeding in a, with, the, with the basic framework like that.
2: And my last comment to you would be, uh, with people leaving the church, something that would be probably more valuable is maybe an alert, like when a young person is having something, like the whole concept of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, right? So the people got stuff they want to get rid of, can they sell it? They just call that number. So if you have 1-800, it doesn't have to be a 1-800 number, but something where a young person is like, I feel like I'm, le- I'm going to leave the church. Like, I don't wanna, I'm not interested in continuing with this. Mm-hmm. And a way for them to connect in order to get those issues addressed sooner rather than later might be valuable.
4: All right. I, but, I just thought this would be a concern for, like, um, parents. But as you said, like, there was, there's, there's other companies who have,
2: who have... Yeah, they're starting on solving that problem. All right. You. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Good afternoon, Brother Sebastian, Brother Jesse. Um, This is something that we came up with earlier that we thought might be a really good app. So we just want to see what you guys think about it. Um, Google Maps is good. Waze is really good. However, we want to walk you inside the building. Um, Today, how many of you guys had a problem getting to this room? Yeah, that's a very big problem. So it's a huge place, and we really want to be able to get people to get to where they want to, their destination, their specific room, quicker. So we want to walk you in, have a visual of the building for those who want to just have simple steps. It takes you easy, quickly there. Time. Um, but
2: So I'm a maybe. Let me think. Let
7: me ask a question.
1: You, you're you're going to do films for... Um, buildings like this, is that right? Yeah,
0: so kind of like how Google Maps has it all outside, but we want to have it inside so you can see the building, you can get to the destination like we were trying to get here. From the main center, I had to ask somebody to get here. So we want to have a visual, what gets you there, an app, um, that would do that you're going
1: to sell this to convention centers
0: yeah we want to sell it to convention centers to the hotels so that like for example getting here like for us ladies at nighttime, in the dark it's not safe it's not easy so we'd have like a night vision a day vision better routes to get you places um, not just for this convention but for other conventions because you always have GYC um, and then if you want to pay for the app only when the event's going on so yeah that's what we kind of had in mind
2: I'm a maybe Maybe. I think it needs more work, but I like the idea.
11: My plan to design a holistic program that will help inmates to be be self-sufficient when they get out of prison. When they get out of prison?
1: Yeah. Hmm. I'm a maybe. There's a bunch of programs like this from the government, right?
11: None of my program, mine's unique. Pro, uh, most of the programs that I check are not holistic. They just look at part of the problem. Mine is holistic, as far as addressing the whole person, including spirit, the spiritual dimension, which is being not looked at by the government. Who's going to fund that? Partnership with my, uh, institution caring for the money we spend for it, uh, on prisoners. We spend 50,000 yeah. 50, a year to keep someone in prison. We will be able to cut down half of that money to be able to keep someone from getting to prison or not going back to prison.
1: So the government would fund that? No. No?
11: No. So,
1: okay.
2: have you tested your program with any inmates? We are now testing, as you speak, right now. how many? How many inmates are you testing with? 25. 25? Yeah. And how far along is it?
0: This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.